Welcome into episode 88 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find us on your favorite podcast platforms. We're happy to be back with you, as has been the case far too often lately. Work got in the way, so I was unable to commit the time to doing a show last week. Apologies for that. A lot going on that we need to get caught up on. But the week off did give me a chance to finally have this all this tech set up, some new new Christmas presents, some new microphones. So hopefully sounding a little better on the audio quality side and just able to run things more efficiently and edit a little bit quicker. So fingers crossed that that all works out. And thank you, Santa Claus, for the presents. Um, Yeti Blue Microphones, if you have a choice, take a pass because the one I had lasted less than six months. So it's a it's my review on microphones if anybody's out there looking for them. Darren and Andrew with you on this week's show. We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs that have started recording early this week, so we don't have the Bucks cowboys game in yet, but we can give our thoughts on that. We're going to talk about the rest of the playoffs, get Andrew's NBA Power 5 rankings for this fortnight. A couple other topics in here we may sprinkle in depending on time, and I do have a new trivia-style game. Uh, we'll play it this week and see how it does and uh, see how well Andrew can name this year in sports history. I'm up to the challenge. That'll, that'll be the cherry on top at the end of the show. Starting things out here, looking at the NFL playoffs, we'll start at the AFC because we have our uh, divisional round set there. Just kind of going game by game here. The first one that we had, the first one, and can we stop trying to make super wildcard weekend happen? Just call it wildcard weekend. But the Jags storming back to beat the Chargers. And if you're a Chargers fan, doesn't this just feel like the quintessential Charger move i think it was 24-0 when i stopped watching 27-0 so i'm a bit of a closet jags fan we don't really talk about it on the show i'm not like a diehard but when i cheer for a team it is the jags and they were getting crushed and i was like oh man trevor lawrence is throwing interceptions to everybody but then you're like eh, it's the chargers if anybody's gonna blow this it is the chargers and that they did the jags storming back to win 31 to 30 yeah um Talk about a tale of two halves for Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions in the first half and four touchdowns in the second half. And feels like part for the course for the chargers. And this has got to be it for Brandon Staley. I think the chargers are going to be looking at a new coach after this season. I just a brutal loss. You can't bring Brandon Staley back after that. And you need to give Justin Herbert an offensive coach. Isn't this, isn't this just the chargers though, whatever, I think I've said it before, The whatever deal with the devil that the Spanos family made, they just aren't allowed to have nice things no matter who the coach is, the quarterback. We had it with Marty Schottenheimer and LaDainian Tomlinson and Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates and Sean Merriman. No matter who's donning the lightning bolt and who's the coach on the sideline, it's the Chargers. The Chargers and the Vikings. We'll get to the Vikings here in a minute. But to me, those feel like the two NFL teams that are just never, ever allowed to really quite get to the mountaintop. You're never allowed to be in a conference championship or a Super Bowl. It, it certainly feels that way. And uh, yeah, um, but I don't think that they uh, can stop trying. So they have to get a, a new head coach in there an offensive one and see what they can do with Justin Herbert and hopefully be healthy for next year's playoffs if they're able to make it to next year's playoffs. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, epic collapse and the Jags, do we feel like they have a chance next week? Or are we, uh, are we counting the Jags out now? It was a nice little comeback win, and they're kind of done now. Even even as somebody who will go to bat for the Jags, I think the Chiefs are going to obliterate them. The Jags had been playing really well late in the season, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. I just had their schedule up. I clicked off it. I don't think they'd given up more than like 21 points in four straight games. And then you give up all those points to the Chargers. So their defense was keeping them in it. 
but this is the Chiefs. This is this is playoff Kansas City. This this is playoff P, but the NFL version. And yeah, I think well, I think the Chiefs are going to roll them at home. I if you give up thirty to the Chargers, what are you going to give up to the Chiefs when they're in peak Patrick Mahomes mode? That's kind of how I feel about it as well. Um, we always know there's some upsets though, and it's really going to come down to if Trevor Lawrence can play a clean game. He he can't throw four interceptions against the Chiefs and expect to have any chance. Obviously, he's going to have to play a relatively clean game if the Jags are going to have any chance. And I do think he's capable of it. It could be. A, I think it's going to be a closer than a lot of people expect. But I do think the Chiefs will prevail. I think it's going to be a lot closer though than what uh, the people expect. I think Doug Peterson's a good coach going for it on that fourth and one to kind of help put the game away for the Jags was a gutsy call. And that's the kind of thing that you need to do in the playoffs. And obviously Doug Peterson, he's been to the mountaintop before cause he took the Eagles there. So Jags, maybe they're, maybe they're coming together at the right time to give the chiefs a little bit of fits, but I don't think it'll be, um, I don't think they'll prevail in the end. Kansas City is only an eight and a half point favorite, which isn't that crazy. I, it, it may sound like a big number, but when we had thirteen point spreads this week, that's that's. I don't think they're yeah. really they're not, there's not a lot of shade being thrown at the Jaguars if you look at that. Yeah, I mean, and we can we'll talk about this one in a little bit here, but I could see it being relatively similar to uh, the Ravens Bengals game. You're going to have to play that type of a game. If you're going to have a chance against the chiefs, if you're the Jaguars, you got to keep it in the twenties, not in the thirties, the forties. Over under is 52 at the moment. Yeah. That's uh, heavily implying that the chiefs are going to score a, a lot of points there and the Jags will score plenty of points too. But yeah, I, I think it's, if it's going to, it's going to have to be under that total if the Jags are going to have a legitimate chance at winning the game. And I, and I get that you have to be there to get the experience. You, you need the time, but look at the coaches who got eliminated this week. Guys like Brandon Staley, Mike McDaniel, Kevin, um, Kevin O'Connell, all these young coaches. And yet, sure. You had guys like Harbaugh who were there, but Doug Peterson, that's one of the things where you look at the Jaguars and this is the same with some of these other teams. But Doug Peterson's been there. That's why you can't really give up hope. I think that's one thing to look at in the in the postseason as we go down the stretch here. Which coaches have been here before? Who knows how to play and win in the playoffs? That's why I think Doug Peterson, Andy Reid's going to negate that advantage because you have your two probably most experienced coaches left in the playoffs. But that's one of the, yeah. the feathers in the cap you have to give when you look at Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um the, the coaching advantage was kind of key this weekend for a lot of teams uh, with one exception, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, finishing off the AFC portion of wildcard weekend, just going over to the bills and the dolphins. And it looked like the bills tried to watch a lot of that chargers game. Cause they were up big in this one and then did their best to blow it. Let the dolphins get right back in it. And the bills held on to win 34 to 31 in this one. I don't know if this might've been the one that had the 13 point spread, but they get this one and we're set up with a fantastic game. So far, I think the best of the divisional round pending the Monday night game. Bills Bengals is a fantastic game when we all know what happened with the the canceled game they had due to the DeMar Hamlin situation. Excited to see these two teams lock it up again. I'm going to have to go with the Bills in this one, but the Bills that showed up against the Dolphins, that team's not going to beat Cincinnati. 
Yeah, um, I can see where you're coming from with that, definitely. But um, you got to remember the Dolphins are a division rival, so there's a little bit of tightness when you're playing a division rival in in the playoffs. Of course, the Bills were up 17 points and gave it all away and then had to come back and, and barely hang on. Uh, but the Bills have kind of been doing that for the past month or so, it seems, where they've kind of been barely hanging on and winning, even though they are still winning. They are blowing teams out like they were early in the year. So uh, I think it's going to be an evenly matched game, probably the best game of the divisional weekend. But the difference is the Bengals have three starting offensive linemen that have gone down that I don't think are going to play next week. So all the money that the Bengals poured into the offensive line it's kind of been nixed because they are playing backups on the offensive line, and you could kind of see it by the end of the game uh, in that fourth quarter, that third, that fourth quarter. The protection for Burrow was just not very good against the, the Ravens, and they were lucky to get that Sam Hubbard play that sealed the game, which was an absolutely wild play. But, um, yeah, we – I'm really excited for Bills Bengals, but I, I think the Bills are going to prevail because I think they'll be able to really get after Joe Burrow, and he'll he'll be running for his life back there. And I, I agree with that. And we'll use this to transition of that Cincinnati Baltimore game. Three very different games this weekend with the Chargers blowing it, the Bills trying to blow it, and then that defensive. What else do you expect from the AFC North defensive struggle in that Sam Hubbard? What do you even call that? It's it's just a basic fumble return. I feel like you should have a cooler name than that, but kind of ripping the, yeah, whatever you want to say, getting the ball ripped out of Tyler Huntley's hand and then right into uh, Sam Hubbard, perfect place. You couldn't draw that up better. Right place, right time to take off. I thought Mark Andrews was going to chase him down, but to see Hubbard hustle for that. And I believe the longest fumble return in NFL postseason history, a fantastic grudge match between those two. If you like defensive hard hitting football, it's three very different games. And I'm, I'm ready for, Bengals bills trying to take a look at some of the stat numbers for the bills to see because like like you say I if I'm Joe Burrow I'm not looking forward to playing against this defense yeah I'm I'm not really looking forward to it especially not with uh I believe Kappa is injured Jonah Williams is injured and then um Leo Collins is also injured as well so the guys you get a bunch of money for yeah, 100% the guys that they paid a bunch of money for are now injured and probably very unlikely to play on Sunday. And I think that's really going to be – people don't think about those kinds of things. They see Joe Burrow, they see Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, all the weapons that the Bengals have, and then they match that up with all the weapons that the Bills have. But that's how a playoff game between two good teams is kind of won and lost. If you – have an offensive line unit that's going up against a defensive line unit that has Von Miller and uh, various other guys that can get after the quarterback and, and sack the quarterback. The bills have a decent pass rush game. And if the, you know, the Bengals don't have the guys to protect Joe Burrow, that's going to be a huge matchup in the game and something that I think is going to swing it in Buffalo's favor. You mean the great AJ Epinesa? Uh, yeah, actually, he has had a great season. Um, I'd have to look up the numbers, but I believe he's around seven and a half sacks. So he's part of that crew that can get after the quarterback. 
as well, along with Von Miller. So, and there's a few other guys that the Bills have too. They kind of just come at you in waves in terms of the pass rush. These are so it's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so that that's that's what I'm saying is they just gonna, are going to have a lot of the Bills are going to have a lot of fresh bodies to just throw out there against the offensive line and. But that's getting back to the defenses of these two teams. I think they're both kind of these underrated, underappreciated defenses. We talked about it last year when Cincinnati made their run, but Buffalo's defense, sure people know about Von Miller, but Gregory Russo's been a fantastic second year guy for them. They have kind of taken the 49ers route where they draft a whole bunch of defensive linemen. They just rotate in. Gregory Russo, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Ed Oliver. Matt Milano's been there a long time. It's kind of the cornerstone of the linebacking core with Tremaine Edmonds. I think the the secondary is kind of where you have the most names. Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, your beloved Micah Hyde, I believe, is still out for them. But they're great at all levels. Both of these defenses are underappreciated. They don't get the love of maybe a Tampa, Dallas, or a Kansas City on the defensive side of the ball. That's Like you mentioned, people see, well, Stephon Diggs and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. No, you also have two very stout defenses to try to work around. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Um, although in that Cincinnati Bengals game, the Bengals Ravens game, I was not very impressed with the uh, Cincinnati run defense. I believe Trey Hendrickson is injured, and the Ravens were running the ball almost exclusively to Trey Hendrickson's side. Trey Hendrickson is trying to rush the passer. And I believe he has like a wrist injury that he's trying to play through, but it was obvious that he couldn't get off of his block to stop the run and set any kind of an edge. That's going to be something that I think the bills are going to try to exploit. So we might see the bills run the ball a little bit more than we're used to in this game. Cause we think of the bills and the, passing offense that they have with Diggs and Davis and Knox as well as uh, other running backs catching the ball um, James Cook catching passes but it might be a lot of Singletary and, and James Cook running the ball more effectively against the Bengals because I saw some holes in that Bengals run defense that I think Buffalo can expose to so I think there's several factors going into it for Buffalo that's going to allow them to prevail in that matchup. So do you want to officially lock in your picks here? Your AFC conference championship game will be between the chiefs and the bills. And so over under chiefs Jags is 52 on ESPN. I'm under and bills Bengals is 50. I'm over. Bills are the favorite in that one. I'm with you. I'm going to go. I know it's boring. I'm going Chiefs-Bills. You know, I'll be different. I want to go Chiefs-Bengals. I I know Joe Burrow's going to get beat up and he's going to have to run for his life, but he is the magic man. So for the sake of being different, give me the Bengals. All right. I I like it. I can't be mad at it. Um, Yeah, I I do think it's going to be the boring one versus two. Although it really isn't boring when we have, we're talking about a Chiefs Bills AFC Championship game. I think that could be a rather entertaining AFC Championship game. As a sidebar to the AFC conversation before we get to the NFC playoffs, I was thinking about this and the quarterbacking in the NFL. If we take Breeze or Breeze, if we take Brady and Rodgers out, because they're kind of the old guard towards the tail end, your young guys, your young guys in their prime are the five best quarterbacks in the AFC. And who is the Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks right now? 
So if we, if we assume Patrick Mahomes is a lock for the number one spot, or at least one of the four, Russell Wilson very much has played his way out of this conversation. If I give you, if I give you Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, or my wild card here, has Trevor Lawrence played his way into this conversation yet? Not yet. I think we've, we've obviously seen that you can win a playoff game with him and feel like you have a chance at winning more than one playoff game with Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback, but he needs to prove a a little bit more for me to be in that kind of a conversation. So I, I think I'm getting there, but I'm not there quite yet on Trevor Lawrence. So again, taking Brady and Rogers out of the equation because they're old. Who's the who's the Mount Rushmore four of NFL quarterbacks right now? And I I have them all in front of me. If you'd like some more nominees outside of Patrick Mahomes, I'm thinking it's Mahomes, Allen, Burrow are the are three for sure. Um, and yeah. then man, do I do I want to go NFC? I mean, it really depends on how you feel about Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert. Do you want to put him there? But he's hasn't won any playoff games uh this is difficult right? this is a difficult question here and that's because you're like throwing out brady and rogers so i because i i think burrows jumped up to second i think he has surpassed allen and herbert I, everybody kind of loves those two yes they put up numbers but he's gotten his team to a super bowl with no offensive line uh some of the other nominees if you want to consider uh we've got lamar jackson out there what shape is he in Will Deshaun Watson ever reclaim? He was in that conversation. We just mentioned Russell Wilson played his way out of this conversation. You have kind of your old reliables like Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill. Um, Kyler Murray's there. Stafford's there. You know, whichever quarterback comes out of the Niners. And that's also gets to the point of who's the best quarterback. Take Brady and Rodgers out again. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC? Because I feel like, like the top five quarterbacks are all in the AFC, which if, if Jalen Hurts is the real deal, he may be the the other one I would throw in there. Yeah, I would I would say the best quarterback in the NFC win healthy, but it's a question about Jalen Hurts' health for this playoffs. That's a big storyline in the NFC playoffs is the health of Jalen Hurts because I do think he is the best outside of Brady Rodgers. But then you look beyond that, then it's, it's really a conversation between Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy. Which is... <laughs> yeah very okay. different conversations you look at the quarterbacks for the nf for the afc playoff and it's all the best and then you go over to the nfc and it's like dak gino brock purdy daniel danny dimes kirk cousins like who's the best of this bunch yeah well i mean based off what we saw on sunday we gotta we gotta give it to danny dimes right because he went on the road with less than stellar receivers and saquon barkley and put up 31 points on the Vikings. Now, granted, the Vikings' defense isn't some vaunted defense. In fact, they're much maligned and considered the weak point of the team. But still, Daniel Jones went on the road and played a clean game, threw a couple touchdowns, and made Isaiah Hodgins look like he's Jerry Rice out there, (laughs) apparently. I don't know what's gotten into Daniel Jones, but he he played a very clean and – efficient game and 
was a big the big reason why the Giants won and got to give him a lot of credit for doing that on the road. Yeah. Isn't, uh, isn't it nice we have a smart offensive minded coach? Yeah, exactly. I think uh Dable deserves a lot of credit. I mean, first year coach going on the road as the sixth seed with Daniel Jones, who are the Giants sticking with Daniel Jones based off this playoff win? I I might. Yeah, I think you have to 100%. So see if you can build up the team around him and put him in a better situation by building up the team around him, specifically the wide receivers. But um, yeah, so back to your question, though, I think fourth has got to be a healthy Jalen Hurts now. A healthy Jalen Hurts has got to be fourth. You're going Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts? Yeah. And, and again, we no no Brady, no Rodgers in this hypothetical. I think if, if we had those two, like if I'm taking any four quarterbacks in the NFL, in no particular order, Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, and Burrow would be my four. 100% with you on that. But if you throw those two out, then those right. are my four. And going maybe up, by next Maybe by next year, though, I think we're talking about Justin Fields and and or Trevor Lawrence in that conversation. Remember when we were all worried when these guys started retiring and uh, Peyton retired, Eli retired, and Rivers and Roethlisberger and Breeze, and we thought Brady wouldn't be far behind it, but he keeps hanging on. We thought, what's going to what's gonna become of the NFL quarterbacks? And now it feels like it's 1990 again, and you have Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and Joe Montana and Steve Young and Troy Aikman and... I think the NFL quarterbacks are in good hands. And we have what we believe is a good rookie class of quarterbacks coming in, at least two quarterbacks that people are really high on with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So it's getting better. It's getting better overall. C.J. Stroud formally announced he was entering the draft, which I didn't realize that was news. Yeah, the Ohio State NIL fund tried to throw a lot of money at C.J. Stroud to get him to stay, but they were not successful in their efforts, so he's going to go to the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts will throw a lot more money at him. Yeah, um, we can talk about this on a, on another episode when we talk about the draft, but I think the Colts are going to have yeah. – might be a candidate to trade up to the number one spot. So they might be looking at Bryce Young rather well, than C.J. Stroud. We'll have all kinds of NFL free agency and playoff talk or playoff uh, draft talk in future episodes. But putting a bow on the NFC talk here, you you mentioned the Giants Vikings. It's just it's the Vikings, the Vikings and Chargers. They're the two, the the AFC and the NFC version. It I did not watch much of this game. It was the one that I was not by a TV for, and it looked like it was a close battle. It's just it's it's the Vikings in the playoffs. I I don't have much more analysis other than the two highest quarterback ratings from the first round of the playoffs were. Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy. So like you mentioned, whatever Brian Dable did to get the most out of Danny Dimes, I think he's back next year. I don't think you can move off of him. I think they're going to get obliterated in the next round by the Eagles. But, hey, got you a playoff win. You know, it really comes down to the health of Jalen Hurts because if Jalen Hurts, that shoulder isn't healed up and he can't really throw, I think that gives the Giants actually kind of a chance, the familiarity with the Eagles – and the Eagles really weren't playing well down the stretch. Granted, that was without Hurts for the most part, but they really weren't playing well down the stretch. So I think the the Giants have a little bit more of a chance than we're giving them the credit for. Um, but yeah, I wasn't able to watch much of the Giants-Vikings game either. 
so I can't give a whole lot of analysis. I can tell you that the advanced stats this season did not like the Vikings at all. They won a lot of close games somehow. You knew that luck was going to run out at some point, and it ran out in wildcard weekend. So that's really all you can say. I knew that the Minnesota Vikings record was maybe a little bit overinflated. So I'm not too shocked about the outcome of Sunday's game between the Giants and the Vikings. Not too shocked about what transpired in the NFC overall, honestly. Um, Didn't really think Seattle had much of a chance either. So not shocked about what the Niners did to Seattle. Yeah, that one got ugly late. We'll transition over to that. The Niners will await the winner of the Cowboys Bucks, but they obliterated the Seahawks. It was close there at halftime. It was 17-16. I thought, oh, this this may be a great game. And then the Niners poured it on. It's it takes me a while to come around on the Niners just because I, I don't want to like them. But now they got Brock Purdy, so I have to be a fan and cheer for Mr. Iowa State. And he tore it up the highest QBR of the first round so far second most yards behind josh allen and this he he looks good i i get that i'm an iowa state homer but just his accuracy the way he moves the pocket keeping plays alive he threw a laser to brandon Ayuk in the back of the end zone that Ayuk dropped late in that game it was basically a meaningless touchdown but it, it just would have been such a beautiful touchdown by both guys and this this niners team is nasty offensive line great rushing attack with cmc great all the weapons around great Purdy and Kittle have this Brady Gronk type situation going on. If if it is the Buccaneers, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. So I I I scared to ever bet against Tom Brady in the postseason. But if it's the Cowboys, I think I think the Niners can put a hurt on Dallas. As much as I like this Dallas team, and I think there's a lot to like about Dallas. Um, yeah, the the Niners, man, I hate to admit it, but they may be my favorite team or you know, my favorite to win the NFC at this point. Yeah, and I think that um, is a solid bet. I mean, you you talk about all the offensive weapons, but the the defense is playing out of their mind as well. So it's they're the most complete team in the NFC right now. And you know, yeah, I think they're they're definitely should be considered the favorites, even though they're the two seed. I know betting against Tom Brady is a little bit scary because I do think it will be Tom Brady that they play in San Francisco, which there's been some rumors about Tom Brady going to San Fran after the season. We'll see about that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the Niners do at quarterback. I don't think they're going to bring in Tom Brady personally, but yeah, I'm, I'm not counting Tom Brady out, but we've already seen that movie, right? We saw it in the regular season where the Niners killed the Buccaneers. I know I get that the playoffs can change things, but the Niners killed the Buccaneers in the regular season. And I don't really see what has changed that would cause the Niners to have any sort of concern, even with Tom Brady coming to town. So that's going to kind of be our weird preview recap, just, just a weird recording schedule this week. So how smart do we want to sound that we, that we picked the other NFC game? Are we both going Buccaneers? I think we're both going Buccaneers. I just, I cannot put faith in Dak Prescott in a playoff situation against Tom Brady. It's just, I can't do it. Dallas, Dallas is almost on that Minnesota charger level. I just, I just can't trust him in the playoffs. There are a three point favorite uh, over under here at 45. So not expecting a lot of points in this one. 
I am gonna I am gonna take the Buccaneers. I think it's gonna be a squeaker. I'm picturing more of that Bengals Ravens game that's back and forth. Looks like overtime. One big play changes it. Yeah, I do think it's going to be a close game. I just think in in the end, Tom Brady will prevail. And then, and then to officially your NFC title game prediction is. I just called the Niners the favorite. Yeah, Eagles, Giants, Niners, and then presumably Bucks. I'm going to go ahead and take Tom Brady versus the New York football Giants. Whoa. I just called the Niners the favorite. You just... I just said the Niners shouldn't be scared of Tom Brady. I have the sneaking suspicion that something weird is going to happen to where Tom Brady is going to make another NFC championship, beat a team that's absolutely rolling. I don't know how it's going to happen, but the Buccaneers are going to win in San Francisco and the Giants are going to take care of the Eagles because Hertz is hurt um, and not playing at full strength. And it's going to show. And Danny, the run of Danny Dimes continues. You better go find somewhere to put that bet down wherever that wherever that parlay is for that NFC title matchup. That's worth five bucks to me. That is one hundred percent worth five bucks to me. Um, yeah, I just I just think the storyline of Tom Brady playing in you know a wild card Giants team that's just barely above five hundred. Can we have Tom Brady losing to the Giants again in a playoff situation? Can it happen three times? <laughs> I think it can. So I'm I'm in on Dayball and Daniel Jones. So that's who I'm riding with in the NFC for now that my Packers are out of it. I'm going to ride with the, the New York football Giants and Daniel Jones just because I need to see Daniel Jones in a Super Bowl setting. I don't know why, but I do. Well, I'm not going to be near as bold as you. I'm going to be super boring and go Eagles Niners as much as it scares me to pick against Brady in the uh, playoffs, especially early rounds. The Niners are scary. Yeah. I can't in good conscience go one, two, one, two in both uh, conferences because there's just no way that it just feels like it rarely ever happens that way. We're going to get something crazy that we don't expect in this round. It's just going to happen. So uh, we'll see, but that's I'm projecting the crazy in the NFC just because I think it's a little more wide open. Let's see. Anything else NFL-related we need to get to before we flip over to the basketballs? Uh, no, I really think that does it for uh, this week's NFL review and, and the look ahead. You got me thinking about that, the ones and two, so I pulled it up just quick here on the Wikipedia Last year's NFC Championship was the six-seed Niners and the four-seed Rams and the four-seed Bengals and the two-seed Chiefs. So like you say, those ones and twos are not... Yeah. Yeah. Year, year before that was one, two, one, five. Yep. Wondering, wondering how far back I have to go to find the all chalk. Not very... Oh, here we go. The, the eight... 18 season, 19 playoffs. You had Patriots, Chiefs, and Rams, Saints. Saints were apparently the one seed. And that was the that was yeah. the terrible, awful, boring Super Bowl that was 13 to three with the Patriots beating the Rams. Yeah, 
Yeah, the one that everybody likes to forget. <laughs> we were all excited about offense, and then we got zero offense. Because if Jared Goff even knows how to play football, the Rams win going away. Um, yeah, we we don't talk about that Super Bowl. But, yeah, um, we had 6-4 last year, and I'm predicting 6-4 again in the NFC this nice. year. So, here we go. We like to use historical context here, so I'm I'm with that. Trying to find trends and patterns and use a history to predict the future. It's a trend now. If you're the sixth seed and the fourth seed, congratulations to you. You're going to the NFC Championship. <laughs> well, except for the one wild card is you have Daniel Jones as your quarterback. Well, yeah, but yep. yeah, I'm on the Daniel Jones bandwagon now, I guess, which is a scary place to be. Well, that's going to put a bow on our NFL talk on this week's episode. We're going to flip over to Andrew's forte of the National Basketball Association, our biweekly feature here of the NBA Top 5 Power Rankings. And I'm not sure about the tippy top, but you look down throughout the NBA. It has been kind of a chaotic start to January, so we'll dip into that here in a minute. But first, Andrew's Top 5 NBA Power Rankings. Yeah, I'm feeling very confident about the top two. Um, it's more that three to five range that I'm having a, a tough time because there's been some highly impactful injuries that have kind of changed the landscape of things. So I'm going to go with the teams that just missed and that's Cleveland and Philly and Brooklyn. I'm, I'm taking Brooklyn out of the top five. The Durant injury kind of knocks them down a peg or two from where they're at. So those those three teams just missed. I could see Cleveland getting back up in here into my top five. Um, I like them long-term, but they have them playing well recently. So I'm taking them out of my top five. Philly's kind of coming on, but they haven't, they haven't done enough to impress me for me to put them in my top five. Top five, number five, I got to give credit to a team that's 24 and 18, Six games above 500 for the first time in 17 years. It's the beam team at number five, the Sacramento Kings. So they're coming in at number five for me. Um, Fox and Sabonis are 100% playing like all-stars, and both of them should get all-star nods. I believe Sabonis has had something like 20 double-doubles in a row, uh, even a couple triple-doubles thrown in there this season. He's kind of doing a a mini Jokic type thing with the Sacramento Kings. And it's kind of fun to watch. Um, Fox is still doing the late fourth quarter takeover thing. Keegan Murray has been excellent from the three point stripe. He's uh, really shooting the ball well since the beginning of December on. And that has continued. Harrison Barnes is revitalized and playing his best basketball as well. And Kevin Herter has been steady all season. Malik Monk bringing a, a scoring punch off the bench. So it's they're a really fun, exciting team. They scored 130, I believe, in each of their last three games. So the offense is kind of back to where it was early season. So I'm going to put the Kings in at number five. Um, and then I'm going to flip to number four. And that is going to be the uh, New Orleans pelicans at number four just again kind of like the kings a good overall team with some star players that are playing well i know zion's been in and out ingram's been in and out but mccollum has really steadied things 
and they have a lot of role players who have stepped into bigger roles, um, such as Trey Murphy, Herbert Jones, Alvarado, Valanciunas. They're just a deep team that is going to be a really tough out come the NBA playoffs because of how deep they are. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give the Pelicans some love here in my number four spot. In my number three spot, another team, again, kind of sensing the theme here, a deep team with a superstar player and John Morant. I'm going to put the Memphis Grizzlies at number three. Bain is back and rolling. Um, they have several other key pieces as well. Dylan Brooks is kind of their defense three and we three and D defender. Um, I really like the Grizzlies and everything that they bring to the table. And I think they're going to, I'm really looking forward to right now. We've got the Grizzlies in the number two spot and the Pelicans in the number three spot. And I'm really hoping that things stick that way and that we're able to get a Western conference semifinals between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, because I think that would be a, a seven game thriller that would be very enjoyable um, for both sides. As long as everybody's healthy and playing, I think that would be a really entertaining matchup between those two, those two teams right there. Um, In my number two spot, I got to give it to the number one team in the West and a guy that's just playing like the MVP right now, Nikola Jokic. Um, I know Luka Doncic is kind of in that conversation as well. He's probably the odds on favorite, but I really think it's a Luka Nikola race. Like we've talked about before. Uh, Nikola Jokic is just doing crazy things. It's, It's kind of reminiscent of Larry Bird when he would just challenge himself to do crazy things like, shoot a left-handed shot every time, even though he's right-handed in a full game and tear it up. Jokic is, is doing things like, I wonder how many assists I can get this game. I wonder how many points I can get this game. How can I get Aaron Gordon involved? And it's like, he's just toying with everybody and the nuggets are just really rolling. Um, so I've got them at number two. And then the, the team that I think has been the best team in the East uh, looking like the best team in the NBA. Jason Tatum actually just dropped 50 points today on the Hornets. Again, not a great opponent, opponent, but he dropped 50 points today and has played his way into that first team all pro conversation where he's one of the best. And uh, again, the Celtics are a deep team that's playing really well. And I don't want to say that they have the East locked up, but they're, three and a half, four games ahead of everyone else right now as we're talking about this. And the Celtics are looking really good. It wouldn't surprise me if in a week or so, they're five and a half games, six games ahead um, of everybody else in the East. So I've got the Celtics at number one, and I don't think I see that changing anytime soon. So, the Bucks barely missed as well. The Middleton injury, Giannis has been in and out of the lineup, and the Bucks just aren't playing very great basketball currently. So they're they're out as well. If you're wondering where the Milwaukee Bucks are, so that was the one thing I was, gonna, I, I was going to take you to task for that. Not even mentioning the Bucks. Yeah, um, no, I, I cannot mention the Bucks with the way they've been playing recently. I like the Bucks. I love Giannis. I've, I've followed that team. I've watched a lot of games and in watching their games recently, the offense has been 
just so putrid. Um, the defense has been okay, slightly above average, kind of where you would expect it to be, given uh, everybody that Milwaukee has. But, man, Milwaukee is a team that needs to make a trade if they're going to get back to the NBA Finals. And I think that trade is Grayson Allen for someone. I don't know if it's Jay Crowder or Grayson Allen plus something for P.J. Washington or or somebody else. But um, Grayson Allen is definitely going to be traded, I think, at the deadline. It's just a matter of who is Milwaukee trading him to and for what and how does that change things for Milwaukee. But that that's a team that needs a trade to kind of spice things up, especially if the Middleton thing is getting really concerning for me because he came back for a little bit and now he's been out another 16 games after coming back for maybe three or four games. And Milwaukee is just a different team without Chris Middleton. He's that perfect number two player next to Giannis. And they don't really have that. Drew Holiday can do a good impression sometimes, but in the pl- in a playoff setting, when things really tighten and heat up, Chris Middleton made a lot of clutch plays, a lot of clutch shots for the Milwaukee team in their championship run. And in their run last year before he got hurt, he made a lot of clutch plays as well. And it was clear and obvious that they just didn't have the the firepower to hang with the Boston Celtics. That's that's why I'm out on Milwaukee currently. So to recap our top five here, number one, the Celtics, number two, the Nuggets, number three, the Grizzlies, four, the Pelicans, and five, the Kings. You kind of mentioned there at the top that you just refuse to give my Cleveland Cavaliers any love despite Donovan Mitchell playing out of his mind. Um, I believe I had them in the top five the last time we did this. I believe I actually had them at number three. I slid them back down because they've they've dropped a couple in a row. So it's a very fluid thing. I, I do expect them to come back into my top five at some point and kind of become a fixture in that top five. They're currently running number five in the East. Basically, with this week's list, I just wanted to give some love to some teams that I feel like don't get a lot of love nationally. So that's why I went a little bit of an alternative route. I think any traditional sort of power ranking that you look at would have the Cleveland Cavaliers in it would probably have the bucks in it would probably have the nets in it as well. Maybe even the Sixers. I'm just going to, I'm going a little bit of an alternative route just so I'm not fully aligned with the uh, mainstream NBA media narrative. And kind of going off that point, thinking about this and again, you watch way more than I do. I don't know who feels special in the West. A lot of these teams at the top, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Kings, like they have the best records. They're going to be the highest seeds. But I'm still trying to figure out who feels special in the West. And it took you know, kind of like the Suns a couple of years ago. We didn't really think they were special. And then, oh, this is a really great team that made it to the finals. I just feel like the Celtics, the Nets, if the Bucks get healthy, the Sixers, dare I even say the Cavaliers, that may be a bridge too far for a lot of people. But they feel kind of special. I'm looking at the West and... We know the Lakers are struggling. The Suns have completely tanked. You need to get your thoughts on that. They're two and eight in their last 10. The Warriors are still struggling to get it right. You know, somebody like Portland, who we've gotten used to being in the playoffs, are way down. Just feels like your usual suspects and, and a team like the Clippers, who are usually contenders. Feels like your Western Conference, everybody's way down. It's just as much as I like the Nuggets, I'm trying to convince myself that these Western Conference teams are legitimate contenders like a, a Celtics or a Nets or Bucks. 
Yeah, I I really think the uh, NBA champion is coming from the East. I think that's a really good point. The East is the better conference, the deeper conference, as you've kind of alluded to with some of the teams that we we maybe didn't talk about with the Sun specifically and the Warriors struggling a little bit, Portland struggling as well. I don't know. I think the Nuggets are probably as close as you're going to come to – I mean, the Nuggets and the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, I think, when all the pieces are healthy and playing well, are true contending teams in the West, uh, especially because of who they have as their as their best player. I think the ceiling is high for their, their best players, specifically Jokic, Ja Morant. And even, I would argue, Zion, the ceiling is high for Zion when he's healthy and playing the game. We've seen it this year, um, but you're right. I don't see any of those teams being able to truly contend with a, a fully healthy, locked and loaded Boston squad or even a Cleveland or Brooklyn or Milwaukee. If Milwaukee's able to figure things out, um, Philly, I understand they're the four seed right now. Love the way Embiid's playing, love the way Harden's playing even, but defensively Harden and Maxi, they can't guard anybody. So I'm not putting any sort of faith into uh, into the Sixers at this point in time. I do think Cleveland needs to right the ship a little bit, and then they're definitely 100% in that contending conversation. And looking at some of the individual players, the guys who have had great season, we've talked about a lot of them, and a lot of them are on the contending teams. Luka, Embiid, Giannis, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant. Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, uh, even guys like LeBron and Lillard, who you expect to be up there. But one guy we never talk about because the team is terrible, Shai Gilgis-Alexander is one of the five best players in the league this year. 30.7 points per game for the Thunder. Thunder aren't going anywhere. They're not a playoff team unless they sneak into like that 10-spot play-in. Thunder are bad. They're rebuilding. He's probably the focal point of that rebuild, only 24 years old. But just want to give it a shout-out to Shai Gilgis-Alexander is having a tremendous season but gets almost no attention nationally from anybody yeah um yeah sga is having an incredible season and i think he's going to be a western conference all-star starter and i think it's very well deserved so um i think not from a lot of the uh, national media but some of the people who follow nba closer are really recognizing what sga is doing i'm glad you brought him up um I do think the Thunder have gotten on a little bit of a run lately and Josh Giddy's starting to figure things out as well as uh, perimeter Jalen Williams. They have two guys named Jalen Williams. That's why you have to distinguish there's guard Jalen Williams and there's big man Jalen Williams. Nice. Um, Giddy, Giddy is really figuring things out as well, becoming a much better all around player in the fit. Next to SGA, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure that it would work out too well, but it is working out perfectly. You kind of got Lou Dort in that Patrick Beverly type role um, where he can explode for points and be like a third option some nights. I'm really excited when they get Chet back plus um, whatever they do with their picks this upcoming NBA draft. Um I'm really excited. I think they can be a team that wins a lot of games next year that puts themselves in that top six in the West next year. 
um, depending on how the pieces fit with Chet Holmgren coming back. But SGA is a big part of that. And I know teams were trying to call and make trades for SGA and the Thunder basically just hung up the phone and said, no, we're not trading him. And that feels very validated at this point with the way he's playing. So if you have NBA league pass and you want to watch a Thunder game and have some excitement in your life, Thunder are fun to watch, even if they're not really a great overall team. And SGA is a big part of the reason why you'll get to see him in the, in the all-star game and he'll get a starting role. And that's an interesting thing, a whole other conversation that we could have because um, the Western Conference All-Star starters, you talked about the quality of the teams. There's some talk about Laurie Markkinen as a possible what? starter for the Western Conference. Um, that, if that tells you anything about the state of the Western Conference, that Laurie Markkinen is being talked about for a starting position, <laughs> I think that should tell you something. But... Um, we, we won't go too far down that rabbit hole, but I did pull up the top Western Conference guards to see where SGA ranks. And it is a bit of an interesting year. Some of the usual suspects like Steph, Clay, Dame, Devin Booker are kind of down. Donovan Mitchell's over in the East now. So it's, you know, Luca is probably a guaranteed lock. But then you get down to SGA, Anthony Edwards, John Morant. Those are kind of your top four. You go down a little bit further to guys like De'Aaron Fox. But I'm curious out of those out of those top four, yeah, Luca's probably there, but your other starting guard spot between SGA, Anthony Edwards, and John Morant, and you know, depending on what you're looking for, SGA is the highest scorer so far. I think it's locked in as SGA. Um, and you talked about Curry and Booker and Lillard. Um, those guys are down because their their minutes are down because they've been injured for parts of this year. Um so that's that's the other thing is you have to base it off of this season, not a legacy type thing. That's why I would favor Fox over over guys like Curry and Lillard and even Booker because his avail- best ability has been availability. He's been a key piece of a team that's having a great turnaround. So um, I think I would give it to Fox. And then you probably got to put Curry in there just because it, it is Steph. I understand you got to put Curry on the team, but not as a starter, not this year, not with the the injuries and the low minutes this year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. But I think that's going to be the big story over the second half is the Western Conference teams getting guys back, getting guys fully healthy and integrated. And that's a big part of the uh, Phoenix Suns drop-off because Booker's missed a lot of time, continues to miss a lot of time. Chris Paul has missed time. They've had Cam Johnson sitting out, Mikhail Bridges sitting out. Basically the only healthy starter they've had all season is Aiton. So it's a, it's been a very rough season for Phoenix based off of the, the injuries, but if they can get healthy and get themselves into the playoffs, they're a dangerous team. We've already seen how dangerous they can be when Booker and CP three are healthy and playing well. And we can save this conversation and get into some roster rebuilding in a future episode, but uh, you're making me wonder if the Suns are a blow it up and rebuild candidate and see what you can get for all these big stars. Really depends on the outcome of this season, in my mind. Anything else NBA related we need to get to? Uh, no, I think that that about does it. Is just I think uh, the next couple of weeks, heading into the All Star break, will be 
really big and we could be looking at a completely different top five by the next time I come on the show. We'll be here for it every every other week, every fortnight, if you will. Get those top five updates on the NBA and start looking ahead to the All-Star break. Maybe do our own All-Star teams here in a few weeks. But before the end of the show, I want to do our trivia game at the end. And then quick reminder, we do have a UFC card coming up this weekend. It's been a minute since we've had a big UFC pay-per-view that we give a lot of attention to. UFC 283, Saturday night, January 21st from Rio. You've got Brazilian Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill, the American, in a big light heavyweight title fight. Uh, The saga of the light heavyweight title getting vacated is a whole other story. Just know that these two are fighting for a vacant belt. I'm going to take Jamal Hill, who's a very slight favorite. We'll go over to share kind of the ageless wonder that everybody loves. So give me Jamal Hill, though, kind of a young up-and-comer. I think this is a star-making opportunity for him. And then the co-main events, uh, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. These two have kind of had this never-ending saga between the two of them that's been going on for three years now. Figueredo is the champion. Moreno is the interim champion. I'm going to take Moreno. This one's a toss-up. They're both minus 10. It's going to be Moreno to become the official champion here. Uh, going down, Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny, another great fight. Uh, Lauren Murphy and Jessica Andrade, Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. So pretty good fight at the top. And again, in Rio, so they're loading up with big name Brazilian fighters, uh, Andrade, Gilbert Burns, Figueiredo. And then down on the on the prelim, Shogun Hua is still running around. He's got a fight with a guy from the Ukraine who I'm not all that familiar with. But Shogun Hua, another big Brazilian name. Uh, just going down here, some... It's probably the biggest name on the prelims and the early prelims, but a, a solid main card highlighted by those two championship bouts. Yeah, I'm really excited for that main card. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, so, yeah, UFC fight nights are some of the best nights. So really looking forward to it. Trying to think how you could stack that day. Could you fit in both NFL? Because there's two playoff games on Saturday, two playoff games on Sunday. Do you do NFL, NFL, and then UFC? Just make that a 12-hour day? I'm going to try my best. I mean, my day is going to start with college basketball because I'm, I'm a freak like that. So I'll be, uh, is there I'll be up early from, uh, I'll be running uh sports from 11 to midnight because of UFC. So thank, thank goodness for the UFC. I'll have college basketball, maybe a little NBA, UFC, NFL. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good, uh, good sports day. Is there, gonna, is there some weird Creighton Xavier game that you're going to watch on Fox at 10 a.m.? Uh, 100%. If there's a game at 10 a.m. and especially if it's Big East, I think Creighton and Xavier played uh, last week, so that's probably not this week. But actually, those are two good teams to watch, which we can we can talk about at another date. But college basketball has been actually really fun in the last couple of weeks. So, but yeah, hell of a sports day on Saturday, as you pointed out. We'll sprinkle more of the college basketball in as we go forward. And another reminder: UFC, their drama. Francis Ngannou has been stripped of the heavyweight title and has basically been released from the promotion. He's been having a year-long or more saga of contracts, and he wants to do other stuff. And there's talks of him having a boxing match against guys like Tyson Fury. Who knows what's rumor? Who knows what's fact? All we know is that John Jones and Cyril Gaon are going to fight for the heavyweight strap here. And I think it's, I want to say it's in March. I don't have it right in front of me. But it'll be the big debut of John Jones, arguably the greatest MMA fighter of all time, his heavyweight debut. His two brothers are giant NFL players. And he's supposedly a terrifyingly huge 265 pounds now up from 205. So we'll see what that brings. But that's kind of the latest and greatest from the UFC. Loving all the drama around the UFC. And yeah, John Jones, the pride of Iowa Central, I believe, right? 
Yeah, like a JUCO national champion there once or twice. Yeah, as a wrestler, I believe. I don't know where so. he's from or how he ended up at Iowa Central of all places for JUCO, but yeah, I don't know either. But uh, we'll claim him as an Iowan, an honorary Iowan. There you go. All right. So this this new style trivia game I want to end the show on this week. We'll see how this works. This is this is a trial run. Andrew has no idea what's coming. But for those of you folks who want to play along at home, it is name the year in sports. I have have the big four champions from each of our four major sports, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. I'm going to give Andrew those four and see if he can name me the year those things happened. Now, to, to clarify, the NFL will be based on the previous season. So, you know, like most of the, the Super Bowl winner this year will be the 2022 NFL champion, even though it's played in 2023. That that makes sense. And then NBA and NHL, we Got know this battle. So like like this year's NBA champion will be the 22-2023 champion. So it'd be under 2023. And Major League Baseball is nice because they do it all in one calendar year. Got it. Yep. All right. And so there's five of these. Four of them are within your lifetime frame. So only one of them you'll have to go deep into the history books for. Got it. Okay. So year number one, can you name the year? The big four champions, Pittsburgh Penguins. Houston Astros, Golden State Warriors, and Philadelphia Eagles. 2017. Right on the first one, 2017, the Big Four champions. Yeah, it was the it was the Eagles that kind of the Eagles Warriors because we just talked about the Pats Rams in 2018. That was going to so be near the year the year before that was the uh, Nick Foles game. That was going to be one of my questions: is what tips it for you? Well, you know, which of the four is the giveaway? Uh, it's not going to be hockey because they don't pay enough attention to hockey. Um, but yeah, I think the combination of Astros, Warriors, Eagles, and really the Eagles was kind of the tipping point for me. All right. Year number two. And again, there's no chronological order. I'm just jumping all over the place. So your four champions, the New Jersey Devils, that's a hockey team. The Atlanta Braves. The Rockets. And the 49ers. Okay, so if it's the Rockets, and uh, you said four of them are in my lifetime, this has got to be 1995. Wow, 1995. This was, was it? Did you narrow it down to the two Rockets years? Is that what you did? Yeah, it was either 94 or 95, and I, I just felt like the Braves did not win in 94. So that was my guess. That's why my guess was 95. Nice. Two for two so far. I like it. All right. You're number three, the Indianapolis Colts, the mighty ducks of Anaheim, the Boston Red Sox and the San Antonio Spurs. Also very much um, loving that my landlord decided to leaf blow right in the middle of this. I'm right by my window. Pretty fun. <laughs> Excellent timing. Um, is that 2014? You are in the right millennium. Okay. Give it to me again. The Spurs. Spurs, Red Sox, Mighty Ducks, and Colts. Oh, oh, three. Oh, three. You went too far one way and too far back the other way. That was 2007. 
I believe Peyton's only Colts Super Bowl win. Oh, that's it. That's right. it. Yeah. I th- was that the no? The Red Sox broke the curse a couple of years before that. I think that maybe. Yeah, be- that's what I was going for. Was the year the, Bre- the Red Sox broke the curse? The Spurs. But I should have known. Oh seven Spurs championships. Yeah, I was. I was also thinking Spurs versus Heat. Right. Number four, the Giants of San Francisco, oh, okay. Los Angeles Lakers, Chicago Blackhawks, and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, that's got to be 2011. Yeah. 2010. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Duh. Yeah. yeah. I'll, Damn I'll, it. I'll, I'll allow it. All out. That that the whole weird NFL thing where the the Super Bowls the year later. That's that's what got me. Yep. Because the Packers happened in 2011 technically, but it was a 2010 champion. Right. My bad. I didn't listen to the rules. Listen to the rules, kids. And the last one here's here's your hint. This is the one that is before your lifetime. Yeah. Yep. I figured. The Montreal Canadiens, the New York Yankees the Dallas Cowboys, and the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers. That, so we're, we're talking... Uh, that may be your biggest clue, Mr. Basketball. Yeah, we're talking Bill Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, says that 78. You're so close that I want to give it to you. 1977. That's it. It was either 77 or 78. Because I figure, I mean, the Cowboys and Yankees winning championships, that could be so many years. And the Canadiens, I mean, that's tough. But the the Blazers, their only championship. Yeah, 77. Yeah. We'll we'll call it four out of five. That's a passing grade. You're too generous. You're too generous. I feel awful about not getting 2010, but it's all right. We won't tell anybody that you're a Packer fan. Yeah. That's that's really embarrassing. Well, that's going to be our show for this week, unless you have anything else you need to get in here. Uh, no, just uh, enjoy some basketball. Enjoy the rest of these NFL playoffs over these next couple of weeks. It's a great time of year for sports. Yeah, phenomenal January, and it's going to lead to a phenomenal February with Super Bowl and All-Star Games and some great UFC cards coming up, NASCAR firing up again. And we will be with you every step of the way. Thank you for joining us on episode 88 of the Sports Gospel. We'll see you next week for episode 89. Have a good week.